Hello, this is Erica, editor of Sold Magazine. Welcome to episode number 34 of In the Spray Room, Sold's Sold's podcast with some of the best and brightest artists getting up in the streets today. We are bringing out the lighter side of these creatives by interviewing them in a less structured environment. But this is just one way that we tell the stories of these artists. For our daily dose of online content, check us out on soldmagny.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Today's crew consists of myself, Bite Girl. Hello. And Big Ronnie. Hello. Before we introduce our very, very special guest. Big Ronnie, tell us what's going on. Oh, I didn't know it was two varies. That's uh, pretty good. Very, verily. I thought I'd turn it up a bit. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, it's, it's alliteration. A good, good Happy Monday, everybody. It is December. It's cold. Watch your footing. Be nice to your fellow man. Christmas is coming soon. All of that stuff. Happy Hanukkah. Oh, it's... Merry Christmas. Yeah, Hanukkah has done gone by. Yeah. I'm going right into our special guest because we have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. I believe this gentleman's full name is The Super Suck Lord. Is that correct? That is correct. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming in today. And thank you for having the courtesy of leaving my government out your mouth. I will always do that. Now, you are the first self-professed super villain that we've had on the podcast. Now, the inner 15-year-old in me is like, oh my God, let's, let's talk superheroes. Who's your nemesis? Who, you know, I want your origin story and what are your powers and all that fun stuff. So, uh, you know, let's, let's take it back. Where are you from, brother? Hold on, my phone is committing suicide and I won't be able to fucking stay in touch with my, uh, <clears throat> with my groupies if I don't... <laughs> Understood. If I don't get this fucking battery kicking. I'm from New York City. I grew up in the West Village. I was born in 1969 and I grew up in the golden age of Star Wars. Now, you... Okay, so 1969, so that means Star Wars hit when you were eight. Something like that, All right, yeah. so you were powerless. What do you mean by powerless? To, I had power over my mom. No, what I mean, powerless in terms of being succumbed to the Star Wars phenomena. Oh, it didn't matter. Age. I think everybody got they, caught up in it at the time. Everyone alive was powerless on some level. I mean, that was what was interesting about that experience in the first place. It wasn't just a movie. It was a phenomenon that was happening throughout the culture and media and merchandise, and it was just pervasive, and... It was really a collective experience, and they've been chasing that feeling for the last 40 years. Yeah, we're used to it now. We're bombarded with it all around us, and that, it was so new then. Yeah. It was like the first time. Yeah, and it was indelible and in the impact yeah. that it had on people of my so-called generation. So Now, right. I'm a touch younger. Okay. <clears throat> I remember seeing Empire in the movie theater. Okay. And that's when I picked up. Okay. So I... You're pretty close. I, I saw... I, I picked up on it when, you know, the, the Empire was, you know, they were doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> even the dark side kind of had their beasts. Why are, why are we sitting here with a dark side guy? What, what, what made you, what, why aren't you the, why aren't you sitting in the Jedi Council? Why aren't you one of the good guys? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, as much as I struggle to like be the supervillain, I'm probably, I have to confess, more of a Han Solo type than a Boba Fett as much as I've aspired to be like Boba Fett and as much as I've dedicated a lot of my career and my public persona and my public presentation to emulating Boba Fett uh, I'm just still too of a good-hearted person to be a true villain you know I don't like to hurt people you know and I don't I'm not a sadist but you still got shit hidden under the floorboards no, I wish. I've been well, seeing, I've been seeing a therapist for months now looking for <laughs> looking for skeletons in my closet and I can't find anything. Well, let's go back and dig some up. Now, <laughs> you are Please, I'm dealing with professionals here. They've yes, tried. They've yes. tried. <laughs> Big Ronnie. Uh, you know, but I, I will say that a lot of my art career, a lot of or when I started to become quote unquote successful, it was definitely born an act out of an act of revenge. So in that regards, you know, there was some villainy involved. But the intent was always success for you. You wanted to be an artist. You went to art school. Yeah, I didn't go to art school to be an artist. I went to art school to grift because I really wanted to smoke weed and play music. And my meal ticket was being a student. And 
I didn't want to do any work, and I hated the academic shit. I liked math, but I hated everything else, and I wanted to do something that I could bu- easily bullshit my way through, and being a sculpture major was that for me. You know, I had enough rudimentary skills and sort of ideas and charm, you know, <laughs> that I was able to kind of like half-ass my way to a degree in art, but it wasn't because I was trying to be a professional artist. I mean, I, I wasn't smart enough to think that far in the future, like, how am I going to make money? I figured I'd just cruise for my whole life. Now, when we spoke about this in the past, I found it interesting, uh, and I'm going to remind you of one of your quotes, but you told me the only thing I learned in art school was how to polish and talk about the piece of shit I just created. Yeah, pretty much. Now, why is that not something that any artist walking down the street feels comfortable about? I can't speak for other artists. Okay. Why is it something that stood out to you as a key lesson? Okay, that's a better question. Thank you. Well, I guess the <laughs> uh, the underlying assumption is that you're making something good, you know, or that you're making something of quality, or you're making something that is has artistic merit. And I was pretty convinced I wasn't specifically doing that, you know. <clears throat> um, I'm not a particularly formally skilled person at all, and I was when I was making my works, I really felt like I was just sort of slapping it together or making a joke or kind of like trying to see like, what can I get away with, you know, or how, how little can I do here? And then, you know, something would be sitting there on the, uh, on the pedestal and we'd be doing our crit and I had to say something about it. I'm not, I don't want to sound cynical. Like I didn't enjoy doing this and I wasn't having fun and I liked it. It just didn't seem like anything serious to me. And it always seemed like everyone was so fucking serious about everything and about, to this day, you know, everybody puts so much importance on, on art. And, you know, I think art is fun and it's cool, but I don't think it's, like, as important as everybody's falling all over themselves it is to make it. So I was just kind of taking the piss. And I'd be standing there with some dumbass, you know, I cut out a few pieces from a comic book and <coughs> put, put some, some day-glow paint around it and switched around the, the word bubbles to make it say something incriminating. And then I'd have to stand up. I mean, it's nothing that fucking Lichtenstein or Warhol hadn't done already. So I'm just standing there, and I could just do this little stand-up routine and sort of make it sound like something more than it was. And that seemed to be a useful tool because, you know, most of the time, I think... Performance art. Yeah, art is posturing, you know, and I think you have to, you know, know how to posture. But you're both. You, you're, you're not only an interesting person to speak with. That's why you're here. If you sucked, you wouldn't be. Let's be real. Oh, but he does. Super suck. Yeah. Well, um, we didn't get into the name origin <laughs> yet, and I'm not sure we're going to. But it's, it's, you're not just charisma. You're not just someone you can talk to. The, your work is genuinely interesting. Whether you think it's not or whether you think it's appealing or... or... Well, interests and appeals to me. But I have, you know, puerile tastes, so... No, well... There's nothing wrong with not making 12-year-old right no, no, no. boys laugh and people... I can never get that word right. When, what, what? It's not the right word. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think you're, you're generally appealing to... Uh, <clears throat> hold it, I got it. It's a sophomoric interest. Your okay, work. sophomoric, yeah, sure. But people aren't playing that. People don't downplay their work while they're saying it's good. You're intentionally taking topics that downplay everything. Yeah, why would someone do that? Why are you doing that? That's my question. Uh, I don't know, I guess. Probably shit that I learned, you know, about myself when I was when I was younger. You know, I, I guess, you know, I never... I was one of the small kids. I was a Star Wars nerd. I wasn't one of the alpha kids, I guess. I was the kid that like got by by doing pratfalls and like making people laugh. And before I learned how to really craft my sense of humor, I f- you know I found like you know I would I could get acceptance by making people laugh. But m- more too often, it would be at the expense of myself. You know, like I would make myself look stupid and foolish to make everybody laugh. But you know, I was also looking stupid and foolish. And I, it took me a much a lot of growing up to figure out how to get the same response. Without putting myself, but actually right? putting self-aggrandizing and be mm-hmm. funny, you know, which is a much harder trick to do. But it was just something I learned. And when I took, 
when I first went to college, I wanted to be, you know, I, I was an art major because I used to draw these stupid little cartoons. I didn't think were particularly great, but my mother, you know, thought they were the best. So I convinced myself that I was good. And then I took a drawing class and I actually didn't have any formal skills at all. You know, like all with that charcoal drawing, I just could not get that. It just looked like this gray blob no matter how hard I tried. And I got an F in the class. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm not an artist. And so I just fucked around and did nothing for a couple of years until I realized, fuck, if you, you better, if you're not going to graduate or you have to like get a pick a major. And so, like I said, I picked sculpture because I didn't have to draw and it just seemed like something easy I could phone in. And I guess that sort of whole thing got baked into the cake, you know, as far as like, I'm not really an artist. I'm just faking being an artist and I'm getting over on you guys because you think it's real art. Fuck you. But actually I am an artist inside and, <laughs> You know, please love me. You know? I believed all your bullshit until I came to your studio and saw you actually work. Okay. And then I'm like, fuck this guy. He's an artist. Look how look how serious he's it's taking craft. this. It's craft. No. Look how serious he's taking this. Look at the time. I gotta make my money. I'm look at the, about my money. <laughs> yeah, but you're not. You're not like. It's a little different than watchmaking, and that's what you're describing. Yeah, I, supp- I suppose so. Well, of course, because you're creating it. You're not fixing it. Yes, you have to be a master of the. Of the uh, the tools and rudimentary skills that go into the making your resin and everything. Right. But you're creating the topics, and every mashup is your own. Well, no, I'm not. I, everything is stolen from something else. But, you, it's but the you're the one of that's putting, putting them together. together. Like, I just did that whole, whole Hieronymus Bosch series, and I made little action figures of Hieronymus Bosch, and they look... Like they belong together and I picked the right frames. <clears throat> People like it because fucking Hieronymus Bosch is awesome and I wouldn't have shit if I didn't have that to rip off. So I like your I love, of the recent stuff I was scrolling through the feed. I really like the drug cards. Those were great. Those are that just it just speaks to the well, age. It just it's just so it's so bleedy ripped from may as well be ripped from the headlines. You know? And then the other one I, I like I just don't... for personal reasons is uh the eight oh eight. The rolling bot. I mean, I don't that know. I dope. think this whole, this whole, I mean, I'm enjoying myself, but this whole recent application of just like, here's something I really like that's influenced me. Here's a figure that sort of looks like it is that. Put them together. Okay, you want to buy it? What the fuck is that about? What is that? That's not, is that, that's not, what's going on there? That's, I don't get. That's commerce. I guess, but I mean, you know, you're saying it speaks to you, so obviously like something's it, going yes. on. Well, it's it's. Well, the you're topics. hitting you're hitting <sighs> nostalgia. You're hitting. Um, I didn't need to go to art school to appreciate your work. If people, if people, is that the case? With identify other with it. Some, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, what was it? Picasso said, "Good artists create, great artists steal." Oh well, then hey, look at me. <laughs> but seriously, you're creating something that speaks to people on a personal level because they also have connections. Everybody played with toys. Right. Everybody likes a good pun. Everybody likes something sassy. It brings memories. Tactile. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can hold it in my hand. Those are all things that to a consumer are desirable. It's very easy to connect with that. It's much harder mm. to connect with paint splatter on something that you can't actually put any bit of yourself into. I mean, Jackson Pollock did it. And he sells them in museums, but in my house, I would never have one. It made right. me and, anxious. And how many and... paint splatter guys can you name besides right. him? You know? Exactly. But when you combine the figures and things, you're giving us something where I can look at it and say, I connect with that because I'm also a Star Wars geek to no end. Who didn't chase a blister pack of something? Yeah. Pl- Who didn't pl- chase? Plenty of people. Really? Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, well, they're not ruling the world. Jerry Sauce doesn't know anything <laughs> about action figures, and he's the foremost expert in art in the whole world. Yeah, well. Is he? <clears throat> it would seem to be. Because of the recent he got let's talk about that article well no i mean i don't know yes. it does seem to be, well, I mean, he, did he write it for he's that he's got or? like two hundred fifty thousand followers <coughs> on instagram and people a lot of people yeah, well, they, he, he has very sycophantic followers who hang on his every word and blow smoke up his ass on every I turn see him mochi as, the pug has four hundred fifty thousand followers uh, but listen see. as someone who's not an artist i see him as entertainment about art now, he, he knows more about it than I do, and a lot of his points in that article were, you know, identify these nudes, tell me the difference between these 12, you know, paintings of these lying down naked ladies, and I couldn't tell much of the difference, but I don't have that eye. I'm not the critic. I'm here to facilitate the discussion. That's a provocative article. I, yeah, I know. For art fans, for artists, love it, hate it. Why do you think it's so provocative? Because he's... Any first of all, anytime you give if I give you a list of anything 
You'll say, fuck this list. Right. I have my own list. I'm, this isn't my number one. Fuck lists. These are opinions. Subjective. Artists. <clears throat> so when, absolutely when he subjective. puts out a list of, here's 30 things that every artist should be doing or what you need to do to be an artist. First thing I said was, every artist is going to hate this. Because they're going to say, well, I didn't do that thing. Or I didn't do these 10 <laughs> things. And what does that mean about me? Well, the, the first question if I ask care. is, like, how do you know? Right. Why do you know that these are the things that make it's an artist? Oprah. How do you know? First of all, you, you're an admitted failed artist. And then uh, and now you're going to come out and you the have this 30, 30 ingredient recipe science. on how to do it. Yeah. That, I, mean, that the fa- I mean, listen, it's filled with, it's a, great, it's a great article. It's a good read. It's filled with helpful tips and tricks. And it has a lot of insight and a lot of wisdom. But after reading that, I know everything I need to know why he didn't make it as an artist himself. Because he believes it's formulaic. It's not a formula. Right. It's not the question. Thank you for saying if, if that. If you have to ask, how, to I, how do I be an artist? You're, you're never an going right. to do it. And if right. it were formulaic, there'd be a lot more rich artists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I seriously. mean, that's how to make art. There's lots of people making art. Does that make you an artist? I don't know. You could be an artist and never make art. Or you can make only art for your whole life. And it's still not, you're still not an artist. Whatever the fuck that means. I don't know if I'm an artist or not. I'm a, I don't... I tend to not call myself well, well, that. Well, during this session, Just we're cause... getting down to it. We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't we'll mean to, to rant it. and rave. No, it's just like I have my rave. fucking history with this guy. And like, you know, I still, I'm still kind but of you've like got a little rubbed history, raw, you know? not a lot of artists that we sit down with have history with big art, art critics and art editors. Let, let's, let's talk about you and your buddy, Simone. I'm not saying with my buddy. I'm saying he's your buddy. Okay. Because when I first heard your name was on... World of, of Art, Work of Art, Work of Art, forgive me, uh, Eric and I watched that show, and all I remember him saying was, oh, I know the Sock Lord, I have seen his work, and I was like, well, who the fuck is this guy? I, this is all supposed to be randos on TV to me, people coming up and things like that, mm-hmm. so we were looking... I was a coming up rando that Simone DePira just happened to own one piece of, but... It was still pretty he, fucking random. But he owned one of your pieces, and for... In my head, for someone to have uh, been recognized at that point by a judge on the show before the show even started, I thought it was cool. Too bad it was so poorly, badly squandered. Oh, gosh. The opportunity or the show or what? All for you? Of, all of it. It was, so, it was so random anyway because art is so many different... I, there's not an artist in the world that works in every single medium. That's like asking yeah, somebody to come and show. play every... Have instrument you, in the you, orchestra. Have you ever watched RuPaul's Drag Race? Oh yeah, but they have to do everything. Yeah, but you have even to sing, that, dance, sew, make up. True. Up, I act. mean, I get where you're coming from, but on that show, it just seems so random to take a photographer and expect them to be able to work with sculptural medium and things like that. I don't think that's unreasonable. I but I I think that you are actually of everyone. I can't even tell you who won it anymore. Right. You're the only he person the I remember. remember. Right. I, I failed pretty bad. In no, but when he no, got kicked off, you, it was like, it was, eh. yeah, plus you're the only one when I got kicked off, but you're the only one that kind of brought like energy. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, about make, it. I didn't make good work though. And that's what it's about. True. <laughs> Admittedly. I mean, I think, I think some of the judges or at least Jerry Sauls, you know, if you read his column, I haven't read it in a while, but you read his column where he sort of reviews the show after it airs, he admits that he had an inherent bias before he even met me. He's like, somebody named Sucklord's on the show. I'm going to make sure he gets kicked off as soon as possible. So, okay, there may have been an... That's what he wrote. And there may be an inherent bias there, but I gave him plenty of ammunition, you know, <laughs> to f- fulfill that but goal. But that's why you remembered... Maybe. That's the reality. I mean, I can't believe like I'm on the show because it's like I got kicked off of that show for making bad street art. And I got kicked off the show by Lee Quinones, one of the you know famous legendary graffiti yeah. artists. Oh, yeah. And um, I thought at that point my, I was done. I figured you have no business going, calling yourself an artist and you have no business going back to the Lower East Side because you grew up in New York fucking now, see, city. But it you came, grew mm-hmm. up in the back in the day mm-hmm. when there were graffiti but on the subway this and you, your, this, I should you be have to this. understand to a whole it. group of us the exact opposite is what happened. When we saw mm-hmm. you get kicked off, mm-hmm. we thought you were too edgy, too street. It was a great injustice. And I'll, you I'll admit were that. not <laughs> corporate enough. For them, and I saw it more as actually giving you more street cred. To be honest, when you got kicked off, I just off. like seeing a. That's the truth. I mean, that's the I'll honest to God truth. I'll because I'll take it. It was it because you were. 
I don't want to say you were too good for the show, but you were too street for the show, and that's how it came so off. So how to ironic me. that I got kicked off for bad street art, although yeah. it was arguably pretty objectively bad. But and then when you were on the other show, I thought you were the best part of that entire show when what with other the gallery show? girls. Oh, <laughs> that was the that episode. I that is like physical comedy. That, that was, was fun. So funny. You messed with them. So pr- brilliantly. I'm like the Alan Funt of graffiti. It was, oh, <laughs> you, you totally messed with him that whole episode and just the way it was edited and everything. It's still, it's humor. It's great. Right. All right. Great. Let's, I'd love to do more of that. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's stay on topic, but get current. Okay. Yes. You're the boss. Who chose the mullet hairstyle on the Goldbergs? I that did. was unbelievable. That was all you? Yeah. That is that. This isn't my first mullet. I know I look <laughs> fucking fresh to death. And I just thought since this is taking place in the 80s, I want to rock some BMX hair. So I just went to this strange haircutting bruja in, in Bushwick, and she, I said, give me a BMX haircut, and she did it. Sweet. Now, how big of a, a toy kid were you? I mean, I, The ultimate. Okay. The ultimate. All right, give me... Imagine all right, the archetype all right, all right. Whittle, beyond that. Whittle it down for me. Give me your top three series. Um, Cantina Aliens. Um... I, I really did enjoy the second wave of G.I. Joe, the one with Storm Shadow and cool. Destro. And I have the Walter Payton with the spinning football that you had to send away for downstairs somewhere. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Mm. If it had anything to do with football, I would, didn't care about there it. There you go. And a Playmobil. Oh, Playmobil. That was, was the one. talking about that. Now, was that because that's the one that your mom would buy you because it was No, because like, it's the most beautiful, well-made oh, toy no, in it's, the world. Oh, it, no, they're incredible, but because they were also the educational, only thing I collect it's one of those adult. things I could sucker my parents into buying. I didn't like it as much as when I was a kid. I liked the. It wasn't as good. We had the shitty shopper one where it was much more rudimentary. Now the shit is... It's, yeah. It jumped the shark a couple of years ago, but like the last 10 years of Playmobil, it's some of the most gorgeous toy making ever. And I, I collect... The fantasy stuff, the dragons, the castles, yeah. and the antiquities, like the Roman Colosseum, mm. the pyramid. I don't care about the city shit. I want all the fantasy shit and all the ancient world shit. That's what, and the underwater stuff and the ghost pirates and all that crap. But once they started getting into licensing now, it's over. It's going to suck from this point on. I was He-Man, Transformers, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I was nuts about them. Right. So seeing those vintage toys on the Goldberg, Goldbergs, that really, I mean, I got a little tear in my eye. Because it's one thing to see them on a Facebook group. I'm on a couple of toy groups and things like that, buy, sell, trade. But to see a, a, a store shelf with with brand new Transformers and Nintendos and stuff like that really took me back. Yeah, that was pretty fun being on that set. Um, but how big? Like, did they really just one aisle? Just, just one, one aisle. aisle. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. it was like all the. It was a lot of stuff you can't see. I hopefully they'll shoot more in that place. Were those all replicas, or did they get they the were real replicas? Toys? Yeah, uh, they had like some things were real. Like the Devastator Break set was real. Yeah. Some of the things, but like. They had Mask, Boulder Hill playset. Those are just dummy boxes with the printout on them. Same thing with like Eternia. I mean, and they also had multiples of them. So, but it looked convincing. And oh, it, it felt looked good. great. It felt good to be there. Where did you buy your toys growing up? Uh, toys R Us. Yeah, and that was it. And just like random, rando drugstores. Lampston's. It was a place called Lampston's on 6th Avenue. McKay's Drugs. I, I remember there was a little place called McKay's Drugs and they had a little toy aisle. And I remember making the switch from Fisher-Price Little People to Micronauts at that location. Micronauts came out before. I should have said Micronauts. You should have given me a top five because I would have put Micronauts. All right, so round it out. What's the fifth? Well, no, I only gave you three. I, do, right, I, I guess I'll Micronauts. put Micronauts is four. I like, yeah, uh, I don't know. May, I do, He-Man. Something I'm, a big, I'm big on He-Man. Yeah. I, I liked Transformers, but it was never my main thing. Turtles, I was just too old for that. Yeah, you were like right I, at the end. I had a couple of them, and then I was like, nah. I remember, let me see if you, let me, there's this test, the Spielberg test. Oh, no, I feel I'm going to fail. <laughs> Why? You haven't seen all of his movies? Go ahead, hit me. No, it's just like, what was this, what, like, you know, when I, when I, when you know, growing up in the 80s, right. there was a Spielberg movie every year, yes. you know? Yeah. Which one was the one that came out when you realized you were too old for this shit? <laughs> for me, it was Goonies. Like I love the last Spielberg movie that oh, I loved um, in real time was Gremlins, and then uh, when Goonies came out, I was like, ah, I'd rather oh, be shoot. smoking pot and chasing girls. I think it's AI. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, I was yeah, a fan up until. That. I mean, I bought Goonies. I, I, mean, See, I was, I was, I was an perfect age for ET. Right. Raiders of the Lost ah, Ark. Okay. That was all me. But I, I mean, was, that was all me too. What's I in between Goonies and AI? 
Tons um, of stuff. I oh, guess Schindler's lots. List. But no, but now Saving I'm. I mean, Ryan. I guess okay, maybe. Yeah, but he, nothing, he nothing, nothing in the fantasy, nothing in the kids' realm, nothing in the realm. Of, I think the eight years maybe in the, between maybe, us are interesting. Maybe it's yeah. not why it's just limited to Spielberg. But like, mm-hmm. what was the movie you saw? The last movie, like kids' movie you saw when you realized, oh, kids this shit is over fine. for me. Cool. Give, oh God, but it's talk still about not something over. else while I think about that. Like the he man, like the masses. Is it supposed to be over? Well, no, but I remember I went through a period of about ten years when I was not interested in this shit at all okay see i've never gone through that yeah no because i was very lucky i had kids so i had an excuse to keep seeing things (laughs) so i lived through the golden era of like disney animation mermaid and lion king and all that with my kids Right. So I never had a period where I had to pretend to just be an I adult. I wasn't pretending to be an adult. I just had literally just lost interest. And I started taking yeah. psychedelics and listening to punk rock and looking at porno. And I was just like the toys. And like it was all over. Like there was no more Star Wars movies coming out. Return of the Jedi was already out for three years. It was nothing else. And I just forgot about it. But for me, it was it was important to my process to rediscover it. You know, like when I suddenly realized, wow, I want to start farming things out of all these old toys. It was just like hitting this weird like oil well, you know, where I had forgotten about all this shit. And then suddenly I go back right. to my collection at home and I have I have this incredible archive of stuff. To I'm going through chat. this right now uh, and call it my midlife crisis right now at 40. I broke out my comic book collection after 25 years. I stopped collecting in 93 when I was 15, 14. I'm brought back right there to where I was when I bought them. And my friends, no, because I had fun doing it. I stopped collecting when I found girls. Mm -hmm. So there was no more money for comic books anymore after that. But up until all the books and all the toys and all the, like my Transformers number one, that's that's just history. That's one of my favorite books. I'll never let it go because I remember where I was and why I bought it. So little things like, yeah. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. You don't remember certain toys, certain Micronauts along the way, or certain uh, Playmobiles along the way that this is important to they me don't, because... Well, they don't bring me back to the time. Like, some of the toys of that era that still that I, that I still think about and have an affinity for do something to me in the present moment. They don't pull me back to my childhood or to a simpler time. Mm-hmm. Or may, it's just like they're contemporary to no, me. No, don't wishy-washy mean a simpler time. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You got what I'm saying, school. though. No, no, no. But that's, you're talking about nostalgia. Uh, but an intentional nostalgia that you're interested in reliving. Now, let me give you an example. Spider-Man number one came out in 1990, the McFarlane era. Okay? They came out with like six or seven variations. I remember collecting and running around. I got a couple of the hard ones. But I'm brought back to that chase and that, that need to collect that realm because I wanted those books. And why? Is there nothing today. worth chasing now? I'm sure there's <laughs> a million things worth chasing now, but why not check that off my list before I put something new? It's been there for 25 years. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. No, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, listen, I'm not going to tell somebody how to enjoy their, their stuff. It's just no, like, but don't tell me you don't, you don't buy shit because it takes you back or you thought nope, about it. Fuck no. No, it doesn't take me back. I don't need to go back anywhere because I'm, I'm still in the same place. I never left. I thought I left, but I didn't leave. I'm still here. You're still that person that wanted it then, so there's no difference. There's no going back. You're still there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm different. You know, I'm wider or my, my interests are wider and my way of looking at it and my way of understanding things is different. In fact, it's deeper. You know, it's like... You know, when you're a kid, you know, Star Wars is just a movie. It's, you know, or it's just like, you know, it's not. It's a fantasy. But it's like, you know, 40 years later, these things have become archetypes. And they speak to subconscious things. And they're symbols that can be used to convey new ideas that they didn't necessarily represent at the time. You know, and it's how it's applied. And I'm applying these things as an older, more experienced person than I was as a kid. But the same desire to experience and express is still the same. It's just much more refined, or if this is if this is what refinement so looks like. So you're saying you haven't matured? You just no, I've totally ma- no, I've, I've matured significantly. Thank fucking God, Jesus Christ! I was such a fucking idiot for most of my life. I'm probably still an idiot, but I was really an it idiot. It takes a while for the brain to cook. Well, oh so what would your advice be to somebody just coming out of art school? I don't know. <laughs> what like advice to what? Like how to live? Or well, what's the one mistake? That you think most people coming out of art school made, whether you made it or not, that you should, that maybe they shouldn't make. Um, um, landmine to avoid. Yeah. It's not that simple. You know, I don't think it's just like, this isn't tips and tricks. And it's like, there's people that, I mean, I, 
I don't know how I got, I don't even know if I'm successful, you know, by, by certain measures. I'm definitely not. So I couldn't say that this, there's like, I'm not going to advise somebody to wind up where the fuck I wound up. God forbid. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I mean, this shit, just, just nothing. You have to just learn things. You just have to find it, find your own thing. You know, just, you're going to fucking be disappointed. You get ready to be disappointed. This is what my advice is. But maybe I know there's some people that seem to have made quite an easy go of it. Seem to have just like put a couple of things up on the street real early, met the right people at the right time, had the correct work ethic and just like I look at a guy like cause. I don't see a lot of struggling artist period there. Do you? I don't know his biography, but he looks like, you know, not and people think that they can do that. I mean, I'm sure if you ask him, I don't really know his intimate backstory. I'm sure he's had all kinds of ups well, and downs and struggles kid. and all kinds of shit. But, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he found success fairly early, you know, with those bus stop posters. And, you know, good for him. But that's, that doesn't happen to anybody, everybody. It, and people maybe think it will to them. I don't know. I don't you got to try. Know. Do you? See, that's defensive. Well, success that's, is subjective. Don't be defensive. No, no, no. You, you do have to try. Some everybody tries something. And if you're in New York and you're putting a, a piece of work up on the street, you want your work to be out there. Yeah, you're trying. Now you can't be successful without trying. That's, that's hard. That's for sure. That's hard. But a lot of people try and fail every day, mm-hmm. and that's the only reason that we see success. Sure. Yeah, I agree so with that. So you do have to try, and the artist in most people have to get up and have to get their word out. And if they're uh, even a touch uh, uh, vandal-driven or anarchist-driven, they're they're putting their shit up on the street. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So as people get up, what? What? All right. Stella asked us a question about new art school kids. What about someone that was in your position? That. Had a, had a little bit of... Uh, Why doesn't someone give me some goddamn advice? You haven't asked any questions. <laughs> what should I do now? What would you tell somebody in my position to do what next? What would Big Ronnie's advice be? Yeah, what should I do? Because I don't... You know, I feel like I'm okay with where I'm at, but I'd like to progress further. Are you desiring to get out of your primary medium? Uh, yeah. Uh, y- yeah? Yeah. Do you want to stop doing uh, boutique manufacturing? No. Mm-hmm. So short runs on things are still going to be your most... I don't necessarily think I personally would need to be making the object. Mm. So we're talking Jeff Koon style. You could have a couple people in a room and you're pulling the strings. No, I'd be make them in China or Japan. The suck lord school. Oh, that's less interesting. Maybe, but that's what a lot of everybody... That's what everyone else does. That's less interesting. but it's just less interesting. I don't don't, don't know. I don't want to... I mean, this... It's like... I'm not complaining, but it's like... It's a real blue collar existence, you know. I mean, you saw that. That thing is like you walk out you're of there, you're fucking dirty, brother. yeah, and tired, and your shit hurts. But I respected and... that about you because it's not an easy path that you chose. Yeah, I know. You're and, not as you big know, of a it, it aloof gets... douchebag as as you want people to think you are because you can put the work in where you need to. Yeah, I know that, but you know, it just oh, you know, get you get tired of doing the same thing over and over, no matter how much enjoyment you still may be getting out of it it's like there's other there's other you know there's other hills to climb i would say less evocative original lines start creating your own world your own universe. yeah but do i have to hand make motherfucking figures i may as well just go and write write for write television and movies at that point well you do one of each and you you create your 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 characters you create your world i just don't know what i think about this whole art world racket you know, it's like there's something t- I love doing this shit. I like it. I love the response and everything. But to me, there's also something unsatisfying about just putting something on a wall and just standing there and having people look at it. It's kind of boring. OK, so let's let's take the gallery model out of it. What if you just had your list of fans and you you put something up? Hey, guys, and everybody just orders. It nah, it's like a show. Is that the same thing? It's you a want show. The show. Yeah, show. OK, so it's like a spectacle. But, it's, it's a happening. So are you... And there's souvenirs you can buy from the happening. So you want the experience. Well, you know, it's... But then that's... I mean, that's tapping into millennial marketing. I don't know what that means. It means that millennials are buying through experience, experience, not off gallery walls, not out of catalogs. They're buying experiences. And yes, they want the souvenirs. They want the tchotchkes to remind them of those experiences. Because unlike you, they look at their art and it takes them to a certain time and place. Hopefully that's the present. (laughs) 
but <laughs> see, I'm more interested in your right. opinion, not not on the millennial. <clears throat> okay, sorry. Let's okay. Let's get back onto your questions. <laughs> yes, thank you. And uh, feel free to throw some in there when you like. You can feel free to throw that motherfucking vape pen my way. But no, the experience is a good thing because your your art really lends itself know, to the I just experience. Have to figure out how to create that experience and create the souvenir. You know, yeah. all at the same time, and then there's music, and then there's a TV show or a movie that go along with this. It's a lot of stuff. So, and you're kind of branding yourself at this point. What I, I'm the artwork. Yeah, you're I'm the brand. The, no, 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 no. That, and that's what I said before. It's the, <laughs> the, the personality is is. Um, I love you. I love the work. That's why you're here. But your but the, the personality the sells the art. More, no, it's more than half. You know, some people are fifty fifty in personality and artwork and things like that. I think you're a little bit more personality than artwork in terms of the total sale, which is very fucking good for you. Why? Because it's easier for you to be you than it is to create something. Your yeah. you can help you sell what you've already created and not the other way around. And I'm just because I'm just such a hard luck case. Are you? I have been. I'm trying not to be. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean you haven't known me. I'm fucking 50 years old. You know, I've been through all kinds of you know, ways of perceiving myself, well, you know. You're such a positive guy. Yeah, but I wasn't always like that. <laughs> I mean, I know I, I am a positive guy. I'm a force. I'm unfortunately a force for good, which is what a supervillain... With super no villain, skeletons in his closet. fucking supervillain should not be. But no, but I don't know because I'm like a Dr. Doom You're type. New York. All right, tell so, me why you're Dr. Doom. Well, I mean, I mean, one of my... I love the Green Goblin. I got a fucking tattoo mm. of the goddamn Green Goblin on my body. My only tattoo... And I love his color scheme and his vibe and the way he looks and everything, but he's not my type of villain because he's more of a chaos revenge villain. Correct. Pop up out of nowhere and fuck your shit up. And he's mad at fuck. He wants revenge on Jonah Jameson or Mm -hmm. Spider-Man or whoever. He just wants to destroy shit. Mm -hmm. He just wants to burn the world down. Where Dr. Doom has a vision. Dr. Doom is like, he's not a sadist per se. He's just like, I know better than you. I am superior run the world my way and everyone will live in peace. I mean, and his methods are the villainy. You know, it's that he's willing to hurt people and run people over and dominate people against their will to make this happen. But he has a purpose and he has a vision. And that's, you know, I feel like that's that's why I relate to the supervillain so much. Not so much because like the evil I feel like you're trying to sell me a stripper with a heart of gold story here. That this isn't... Are you buying it? <laughs> I, I a gotta, little bit. I gotta see how it ends. Okay. <laughs> because... So much of your work and, and the subject of your work, and, and it's okay not to feel like you're a supervillain. I know you described yourself that way well, in the I past. Built that, I, I built that up. And, and if you I don't, you're trying to, to drop it. it, I can drop it no, too. No, I'm but, trying to hold on to it desperately. But I think you're... Uh, against all evidence that I should. But your work is speaking to that, the topics that you go after. Very rarely are you going after something mainstream. It's always subculture, but it's subculture enough where even square people are looking at it and say, hey, hey. You know what I mean? It's I it's, it's 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 don't say I guess. Yes or I no? I mean I'm not sure. Okay. It's mass appeal intended. But it still has edge. And that's where the sub that's where, and that's exactly. why I think it's 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 going to be uh, eternally acceptable because of that subculture edge. People think that they're doing something naughty by buying a piece of software yes. art. Exactly. 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 That's the point. Why is that important? It's fun. I mean, it's straight up. I mean, it's like nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody wants to feel like they're unimportant. Everybody wants to feel different. People want to feel special. They want to feel acknowledged. And the world is not necessarily a place that acknowledges people equally. Um, People feel silenced. They feel small. And they want to assert themselves in some way. And oftentimes that feeling comes, there's a feeling of anger, bitterness, being passed over being the overlooked man or woman, you know, and that builds resentments. And then you create a personality around your resentments and then you want to act on them. And, you know, what what power do you have? And you want to do something subversive. And what are you going to do? Because you're not going to go and blow up a bank or anything like yeah, you're that. You're going to dye your hair. You're going to go write graffiti, yeah. you know. You're going to do, yeah. do something devious It's or a wrong. villain origin story. Yeah. Well, you know, because you've been hurt in some way. Everybody's been hurt in some way. And everybody's got something to prove. And everybody wants to, like, be right. And everybody wants their enemies to see them win so they can get that feeling of satisfaction. And, you know... You don't want to hurt innocent people, but you want to make the people that have wronged you feel bad because they were wrong about you. 
You know, right? That's normal to feel that way, isn't See, it? Well, uh, again, I'm the other side of the brain, and I really believe that other people's opinions about me are none of my business. Well, and, well unless you, they're giving you an opportunity. If they're just some asshole in the street, sure. But if it's somebody like a gatekeeper, you know, or somebody that's going to put you oh, on no, no, or not, no. that, been, yeah, it doesn't I've matter what they think. I've been not put on and not chosen and, and said, yeah, hey, It doesn't feel get, good, does it? And it is what it is, but I really feel like I'm blessed here in New York City. Uh, with this moneymaker of a face that I have here, that I'm always going right. to be able to get dragged into something fun. Sure, and that's but that's just my optimism, and I feel like your your outlook and the superpower of the beard. Well, not good, but optimism uh, creates opportunities. Yeah, and I'm, I'm optimistic and pessimism. I'm not. This is not pessimism. I, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying it's about the outlook. Now, what your your work asks people to ask themselves how they feel about themselves. It's not just, oh, that's cool, I like that. Well, that's not you. You're not superficial. That's why I called it sophomoric earlier, because it requires some thought. Sophomoric doesn't mean requiring thought. Are you going to go definitions with me? I know, gonna, yeah, I know let's spend the, the rest of the show yeah, parsing that, fucking fun. words. Yeah, Where's my fucking semantics? <laughs> no, yeah, your, your work is, is more cerebral than tactile. It is, and yet there's still okay. it's still very approachable. Well, that's cool. You don't have to be on any level to laugh, because, for example, the action figures that you've placed in various places around the city. Um, I've seen twelve-year-old boys giggle and think they're wonderful, and I've seen forty-year-old men think they're hilarious. Have you ever seen any women like them? Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Oh yeah. I mean, they do appeal to, to men first, generally, just because of the whole action figure thing, I think. I think it's the, the genre, not the it message. It feels very familiar to if you put it up, If you were to put it up in a wee paste in the same <laughs> image, people would probably appeal to them in the same level. It's just the action figure catches boys' eyes before it catches What about Barbie size? Eyes. What about, what about them? Potentially using it. I know you like the small. Oh, I would love to make a fucking robot. action figure that was the size of a goddamn building. No, no, what I mean is like the Barbie. Mattel. Uh, you know, oh. It's like a one six scale figure, a 12 inch figure. The G.I. Joe. Yeah. You know, yeah. What about him? You have to do the Have you ever hair. done that big? Yeah. Yes, I have. Is it easier to go small? Yes. Mm. I mean, ask, ask Kenner and Hasbro. Is but that because of material costs? I mean, the, guys, the, no? the, the, the original line of Star Wars figures was an economical decision. At that time, the prevalent size of an action figure was eight inches, the Mego figures. You know, they were 12 inches, and the G.I. Joe, they the were still making Joe's, those. Yeah. But then at the, t- at the time when Star Wars came out, the figures were eight inches tall. And I was like, well, we want to make these toys, but we want to give them ships and stuff to fly in. And if they're eight to inches, too 12, big. they're too big, so let's make them this big. Ah. And that's that. And that's the same thing about the art that I make now. I'd love to do big, ambitious shit, but like the economics of it demand that I keep them small. So that's mm. what I do. And when, you know, when the calculus changes, I'd love to make bigger stuff. I have made things in a, like a two-foot-tall package with a, with a, you know, a 12-inch figure in it. But, and I sold them for good money. But, you know, it's like... Life size would be kind of awesome. Yeah, or bigger than life. Yeah. March of the Wooden Soldiers type of... Maybe. <clears throat> it's, all, yeah. it's all in development. But, you know, yeah, sure, I'd like to do all that stuff. But, you know, at that point, I would be sending those things out, have them made by real craftsmen. I'd like to make stuff in porcelain, but, I, but I don't want to make it myself. You know, I'll go work with the porcelain guys and create Porcelain them. action figure. Yeah. But like Has there ever big, been one? Probably. I remember the old porcelain dolls. That, I just like, love in... some of the finishes you can get on that yeah. stuff, you know? Mm. That's interesting. The colors, I'd be, yeah, but I don't need to sit there and learn how to be a master porcelainer, if that's the word. You know, I'll just, uh, you know, work with the guys. No, you're the you're the design guy. You're the brains. Yeah, I mean, I just I'd like to work with my hands a little less and just do it more for my own entertainment. And you know, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, I still want to do. I think really the the end game to all of this is like I want to create a TV show. Like a big budget, like Game of Thrones style TV show that takes place in my universe. You know, the Toy Lords shit is like the most basic, bare bones attempt to to express that idea. But I would love to be able to write that large. That would be way more exciting to me than than a building size action figure. Although, if things continue as they are, I'll probably wind up doing both eventually. The building size action figure would be great for the premiere of the exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now you see where this is all going. 
The the object isn't to put one of your pieces up for work at Sotheby's and have it self destruct or anything crazy I mean, I, like these. Nah, I mean, I love that. I thought that was a great. Oh, I thought great. that was one of the greatest things ever. And I've sold work at Christie's, and again, it was unsatisfying. I mean, I was disappointing in a way because it's like I had somehow Christie's was going through a period of time, very short period of time, where they were sniffing around the designer toy world, and they thought, hey. Let's throw some of these in here. They had a couple of cause pieces or whatever, and they put a bunch of people's stuff in there. And I had some of my pieces in there, and I was like, okay, I've made it now, right? I'm selling at motherfucking Christie's. And they had the four lots, and two pieces sold, two pieces didn't sell, and at the end of the day, they made like, you know, a thousand bucks each, and then it was over. I was like, what? You know, I thought I was going to make 30,000 bucks, or like, you know, and I was just like, yeah, you know, okay, that's a cool experience, but it's like, it's a byproduct of, of success. It's not a success unto itself, you know, like being in there doesn't elevate you. You're there because you're elevated, you know, and it's like, but that, like I said, that doesn't interest me because then I, what am I, I'm sitting at home or I, I went to the auction like a little groupie, you know, I wore a suit and I went there thinking, oh, once, once my thing goes through, everybody in here is going to want to know what else do I have? And not a single goddamn thing happened. And you know, it just felt well, a, it just it, didn't feel satisfying. It's a good it's a good example that not all great opportunities turn into dollars. Obviously, the exposure was good. The experience. I mean, it was looks pivotal. great on a fucking resume. Oh now. yeah, I mean, you, it looks good now. You obviously. Yeah, but it's just one box checked, you know, and it's like it doesn't without any sort of follow through or any sort of elevation or. It didn't extension. bring people beating down your door. No, but it you know it it greased the wheel a little bit. Sometimes it didn't don't realize, you know, you want the immediate reward. You want the immediate return on on this on the on the thing, and then it doesn't come sometimes for a really long time, and then it just sort of dissolves into the soup, and like you don't really necessarily even see the straight line between this thing that happened and what's happening to you now because it's not linear. It's all just sort of cooking in this big gravy. You know, when you put the garlic in there and at first you can see it and then it melts into the sauce and the whole fucking thing tastes like garlic, but you can't see the garlic. How'd you, that's so much it's metaphor. It's a nice analogy. Yeah, I like it. Oh, now I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I just made a big sauce the other day. Nice. You know, so that's always key after like a long, intensive bound of, bout of activity and creativity is to go get a big, giant bottle of wine and make a fucking sauce. You know, so. Sounds like, Italian. I am Italian. There you go. Now, excuse me. <clears throat> Let's talk more about the toilets of Chinatown. Why don't we? Because we skipped over it. Now, this <clears throat> this is uh, a collection of characters that you have made into toys. Some of them. And this is the start of your universe. No, it's joining the universe in the middle. But yeah. Oh, so this is an area. Like, is there? Is this the Chinatown of your universe, so to speak? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say because this whole thing sort of evolved rather organically you know when I when um had already been making toys uh when YouTube came out and I was like hey this is probably gonna be something you know like you can now just put a video online and people can watch it without having to s I remember waiting to download a fucking QuickTime movie on dial-up for like forever oh, yeah. you couldn't watch video online for a long time, and I had already been selling shit online and already using the internet, so this was seemed like a big deal. I was like, "Well, how can I do something that is going to connect to the toys?" You know, I was like, "It was things like, okay, well, it was like my little microcosmic version of what George Lucas had done, except he made a movie and then they made toys of his movie. I had these toys that needed a movie. It's like, okay, let's do it. And the idea being that um, the characters in the show make toys. So like the actual like they're dealing like their contraband instead of drugs is toys in this universe. You just have to accept that that's reality. I do, I do, I do as well. And then so it's not so much like there's toys of the characters. It's more like the characters in the movie are making toys. Sometimes they're of themselves. Sometimes they're not. But it was you know attempting to be this sort of meta, in you know in world thing. And I've been running around with this Boba Fett helmet all this time, and I was like, well, I can't. Um, if I'm gonna make a movie, I can't have this guy be the protagonist because. I don't want to lean on Boba Fett as the symbol of my of my movie, although it seems like it is. And he's you, he, his face is covered. You know, you need to be able to emote. You've got to see their eyes and mouth. So, so I created. We needed original villains. You know, so I was gonna like we called the thing original villains after the post uh, alphabet serial contest, the creative villain contest. 
there was a game on the back of the cereal box called Creative Villain. We were yeah. racking our names for a, a name for this thing. And on the back of the cereal box, it was because it was branded with the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. It was like Super Friends and Alphabet cereal were connected for some period of time. And it was like Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Creative Villain, and the best villain gets a prize and there's this commercial for it and they have this little villain guy and he's before Superman smashes him into oblivion he says the most original villain wins I'm like fuck yeah original villains exactly because I'm trying not to rip off Star Wars and I so boom so we took that and it was an utter failure the first like 15 movies I made were just awful fucking awful doing this stupid collaboration with too many cooks in the kitchen finally just decided fuck it we're doing this and just started extracting the movie from my immediate environment and just trying to cobble it together into a story and then it just started getting more and more complicated as it went along and now it's like this unwieldy monster that I'm trying to just wrap up you know it's like but but it's fun you know and it's like I try to film as much like vintage New York as I can like I'm always just like oh you know did you hear such and such is closing you know, fuck, I got to go down there and film something, you know, like when the Mars bar went out of business. Mm. I was like, fuck, I got to get that in a shot. So, you know, I contrived some reason to have something I'm planning to shoot take place outside, you know, and it's like I feel like I'm constantly chasing after stuff. And I've missed some things like Winnie's in Chinatown that went out of business. I didn't get to shoot there, just the exterior. Astroland I got to shoot in. That episode hasn't even fucking come out yet. I shot that in 2007. We got Shoot the Freak. Mm-hmm. In the in the in the in the shot, sweet. But it's like I filmed that. Guy that guy lives in Bay Ridge. We see him sometimes in the neighborhood. What? The guy that ran that. The oh, really? What's he yeah. doing now? We should bring that back. That's a great idea. <laughs> Next time I see him. I mean, I've been on this heavy Coney Island trip lately. You know, I spent a couple nights out there over the summer, and it's just like that feels like New York still to me. Hmm. Agreed. It's one. It's 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 far. So the further you get away, the more OG it's going to be, and it's still a real uh, ethnic neighborhood. God, the swath of people that you see out there is just breathtaking. I get, I get. It makes me feel super fucking patriotic, to be honest with you. I agree. Growing up in New York, it was you were surrounded by the United Nations, every and day. we all get along, and we all eat each other's food, and suck each other's dicks, and you know, dance with each other's music, and hang out at the freak show together speaking of food what'd you eat while you're out there in Coney Island mm-hmm. I'm a big clams guy you know oh, I had this great creature from the Black Lagoon trip going whereas I was renting a room in Brighton Beach wake up in the morning put on the creature costume go to Brighton Beach swim and then sort of half walk swim to Coney Island and then come out of the water and eat a dozen raw clams you know <laughs> and then and then start my day as one does. As one does, yeah. I mean, that was so great. You know, I'm hanging around Coney Island, dressed as a creature from the Black Lagoon with a pair of maracas jamming, you know, to all the house <laughs> music. And nobody says a goddamn thing. <laughs> it's like the most, it felt so normal. I felt weird when I took the mask off. Yay, Brooklyn. Isn't that Coney Island? Oh, yeah, right that's there? so yes. Coney Island on any given day. Mm. Yeah. All right, so besides clams, what do you like? Uh, there's some of those. Um, Ecuadorian spots, the encebolada, that weird vegetable fish soup is really mm-hmm. fucking good. Um, the taco spot in Wonder Wheel Park, I think, is nice. Um, what else do I like out there? Um, Grimaldi's? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. But not really. I'm just trying to think of something. Those are my main things. Why? What do you, what do you like out there? I think the fried fish po' boy from Nathan's is one of the most underrated foods in Coney Island. Okay. Uh, but I like um, I like Nathan's. Okay, I like I'll, I'll Nathan's. order everything too. from there. Their French fries have a special place. I mean, they really do. Yeah, they're okay. I'm not a big French fry guy. Sorry, shoot me. But anyway, that's that's more that's the, the thing. I think. Us. I mean, I would love to do more stuff out in Coney Island. I would consider living there for like the whole fucking summer and doing mm. some kind of weird art installation, music shit out there. If some some kind benefactor wanted to fund that operation. Put it out in the universe. Yeah, it's out there. I still got three years left in Chinatown. Cool. We got that studio for three more years. We thought we were going to get kicked out. But I like not. that space. Yeah, me too. It's fucking expensive, but 
it's worth holding on to because once that's gone, that na- that neighborhood is changing so oh, fast. Oh, it's changing so quickly. That one little street on Canal and Forsyth somehow still got that grunge. We got like a junkie sleeping and shitting on our staircase, mm-hmm. and you know, there's something 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 familiar about that that said. feels good. Yeah, something to be said. I mean, it's also fucking horrible and gross. But it's like, uh, you know, I, I look at that and I'm be like, you wanted to be here, man. So it's like, this here is you are. here yeah. you are. So enjoy it because, you know, I get mad when they when, you know, some I get pissed off when shit's dirty and gross. And when they clean it up, I'm even more mad. Mm-hmm. Well, you grew up here, so you're watching your city disappear very quickly recently. I mean, things are the, the time changes the acceleration. I know. I mean, it's everything weird. has to change, but it used to take longer. And now five years t- can change the neighborhood. Totally, to where you I don't know, even recognize I've, I've it. I've burrowed myself into this little hole. I've managed to carve out this little strip of land between my apartment and my studio that if I don't look around too much, feels legit. Right. And I just keep looking straight and I don't, you know, I don't look up at that big stupid 50 Bowery Hotel or, or any of that other stuff. And I can convince myself that I'm, you know, I am, I am unfortunately, I, I, for all this nostalgia that I decry with the toys and the action figures when it comes to New York, I do get fucking nostalgic big time well but not like i want to go back to that either i mean the fucking 70s was fucking really scary in certain ways you know and um people want to romanticize it but most people wouldn't last a day reality because you survived yeah and i mean i'm sure the next generation will have the things they survived didn't make it but you know what there were a lot of people that didn't survive especially the 80s in new york and there are a lot of kids that grew up in the burrs, myself included. They came in one or two times and knew we did. No, it wasn't. And now people want to say, oh, you would have wanted to be down there. No, you wouldn't. It smelled. Yeah, you people go through your pockets. Yeah. Trying to, getting mugged in blimpies, you know, on a regular, you know. But, uh, you know, whatever. It makes for good stories. Well, I... I have a nostalgia question that's from my own generation of... Uh, I asked you this question once before, and you, I don't remember what your answer was, so I'm going to ask it a different way this time. Um, being a girl who spent her 20s in New York City uh, post-9-11, what was it like in a few words to work with SJP? Who's SJP? Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, I mean, it was sort of fairly removed. I mean, she was the executive producer of the the work of art show. Yeah, yes. But I didn't work with her. What was it like being... All right. I mean, I don't think I even had a one-on-one conversation with her. No, she wasn't. She just showed up. She showed up for that one episode where she was the guest judge. Yeah. And I I think she was there at the very beginning... But that was it. She was hands off for the whole thing, so I didn't work with her in any way, I shape, she was or a form. Bigger part of it. I mean, I think she kind of wanted to fuck me, but that's just a few, that's just a sense I got. That if was it just weren't a, for Matthew, yeah, you didn't tell me that before. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. she seemed nice, but I don't think I remember any specific one-on-one time with her. I wish they'd bring that show back. I thought it was a good idea. Everyone likes to mock it, but I thought the premise was good. Sex in the City or Work of Art? Oh, Work of, work art. of art. No, Sex in the City, I thought, I just, had a satisfying conclusion, and you don't need to make more I fucking agree. movies. I agree, I agree, I oh, agree. But that's what sure. I'm saying. You guys were talking about all this nostalgia, and I have no relation to any of it. But sorry, my sorry, you have been very quiet. Let's, my let's get nostalgia you here, is, is my single 20s uh, Sunday nights watching her and How, that were you, show were you living show, that life were you the, going out and it was just a really like uh, you know you're it was a uh our friends all gathered it was a sunday night event to watch but the were show you also it, it going was, out and having sex feel, in the city we did feel it was reflective of our life yeah i mean i did too i liked that show it was I, know, I mean we I didn't have the the fashion budget or wardrobe but no but you were going we out were, and drinking yeah, a lot no, of we, alcohol and hooking we, up with we people. were relating to to what was going on and having fun getting together watching the show that was all i and i i love what she does for new york i think she's a, a what new york she icon do now right now well yeah, she, she i thought she was she a bigger I, thought, I honestly i thought she was a bigger part of of the production of that show maybe that show would have done better if, if she, she had a little bit more up in it yeah, you know? there you go nobody wants that to watch question. art on tv i think it just wasn't presented like i said my biggest thing with it was that what network was it on bravo <sighs> bravo yeah and it could have i think like i said my biggest thing was i think it went across too many genre for it to be <clears throat> at a competition 
because there's no, so I love many. Watch, don't you don't love watching artists be suffer? Uncomfortable uh, and yeah. Try so, yeah, no, I yes think and that no, was, and I think there can be good stuff comes out of that, but. Then it was also done like your average competition show that meant you were also into the stupid time constraints. But that's how all work is made under stupid time constraints. And it should be done in this format than the tattoo format where it's permanent. Oh, the that's tattoo. Oh, that's, yeah. hard. that's hard. Right. So that's it makes hard. Yeah. art that you could throw away or keep, but the tattoo ones, oh, when they God, put them I under would, the time constraints, s- it makes me so oh, nervous. Oh, there was the like, one where the guy oh was gosh, getting a tattoo on his head and he was going to pass life. out. Yeah. And the artist didn't want to stop because he didn't want to lose. And the guy... Yeah, brutal. Get, get, get brutal. out of here with that shit. Right. I don't need that. Make, I don't need draw that on a piece of paper. Yeah, don't, do it on a fucking me. dead pig or something <laughs> like that. I, it's That's also, not kosher, but I mean, it is also very hard as an artist, isn't it? Sometimes to make art on a theme on demand. No, no. I I don't know. I mean, I people didn't, have deadlines. I didn't, for all no, other no, no. Reasons, I mean, if right? you're a commercial your, artist, yes. But if you're a yeah. fine artist and you do one of the competition show and they say mm. this week the art centers around. Da- dash hounds with you know I, know, I wouldn't find that troubling know. if I could do it in a different environment. I mean, so I think we're a gallery I, show, you've got a deadline. Look at BD White and how he was until he, the last minute, but crunching he to the his last own minute. Theme. What I'm saying is, okay. it's coming up with the ideas of what am I going to do if they throw this weird ass theme to you. You're actually lucky because your brain I can like take to it have anywhere. Right. That's my whole thing. Is like I think one of the myself. struggles with the show was that some of the art didn't fulfill the theme. Because and those people often paid the price by becoming eliminated, which yeah. is the point of the show. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for me, I think the mistake I made was I got a little too gassed by the TV aspect of it. And I was putting too much more effort into like being a TV star than to just like thinking about the work. And I just made some very bad like time and material decisions, you know, mm-hmm. that I just was not able to execute what I thought I could. And I didn't know how to economize. And I was too busy trying to get screen time you know, to really think about the work. And, and, and that tripped me up in the end. You know, most of the time I got to the end of the thing, I was like, this isn't even nearly close to being done and I have to hand it in. And I also have to stand up there now and give a little speech about how great it is. And I did that successfully. Uh, I was four times in a row, you know, and it got harder and harder because the work got harder and harder to justify. And I was getting tired, you know, I was getting tired of all the, you know, there's a lot of negative reinforcement, a lot of pressure and just like uh, hours are fucking crazy, you know, and it's like and you're drinking. And by the time we got to the fucking graffiti challenge, I was just running on fucking fumes. Mm. And and when I got up there, so I knew it was not good. And then fucking Lee is there as the judge. And this didn't make the edit. Thank God. But, you know, I had this whole bullshit. I was in my lawyer routine and I was going to argue the fuck out of something. <laughs> and he pointed out something to me that I hadn't noticed. He was like, yo, first thing he says when he starts his critique, why'd you go over that tag? You know, there was, we got these four walls, every team, there were four teams, each team got a wall, a blank wall, except for whatever reason, you know, they didn't, they didn't clean it up. There was like a little scrawl on the wall, a little tag, you know, a little throw up. And we sort of put our shit over it. And I hadn't, I was in, so in the moment of making and rushing that I didn't even notice that that tag was there. I didn't think about it until I was standing on that motherfucking stage. And I was like, wow, I went over someone's tag. I lose. Right. Yeah. I lose. Yeah. And I, and, wow. I, and I, yeah, I can't, like, that is a mistake. Thank God that, that was the thing I was more worried about than anything mm-hmm. was going to come on TV and I was going to be, look like a toy on TV. Ha, get it? I was going to be, a, I was going to look like a bullshit New Yorker, a fake graffiti guy on TV. And that, fucking ate me away for the six months between when they shot it and when it aired and I couldn't tell a fucking soul it was driving Oof. me crazy but um, yeah yeah that was what that was what I found disturbing because I just felt like it was just a it was just a failure you know to not have been paying attention to that when I of all people should have known that and the whole time I didn't remember what it looked like I was like please don't let that have been a dash snow tag you know if that was a sace tag or something like that I was like, oh, God, and I didn't know, and I didn't know, and I didn't know who I'd win over, and wow. I thought that was going to be on TV, and I thought, what if somebody comes and wants to fucking, you know, fuck me up because of it? What if it was some fucking what graffiti What if it turns thug? into something major? What if this becomes, like, televised graffiti brief? I don't need this shit. For whatever reason, they chose not to put that in the edit. Thank, thank Christmas. And when I looked at the picture, I didn't look, I didn't seem to be anybody that was going to come after me or destroy my reputation, but God, that sucked. Wow. Well, let's leave it there. Yeah. 
What a story. Can That's... you give our listeners, as you take a big mouthful of a Not your dick, it's yeah. celery. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> Where I'm, they, I'm we didn't be, even we didn't even talk about porn or sex qu- or anything. No, we kept it well, real clean. We're gonna have to save I got, that for part two. I'm gonna I guess. get yeah, a lot of the after hours the, version. Uh, snacks on the table. We didn't I'm talk sure. about ass in any way, and it's such a broad subject. Anyway, depending on how you how spread do, it, how do I get it? Huh? Yeah, how, do, how do people <laughs> find you online? <laughs> <Not that. laughs> Suckadelic is my website, and Sucklord is my Instagram. Either of those two terms, you'll find me. Yeah, which here's a okay. I finally thought of the piece of advice for the, for the artist. Wonderful. And then we'll close it out. Pick <clears throat> pick a name that gives good Google. If you pick a name that like is a common phrase or a well used term or something, and people go to look for you, they're never going to find it. Make up some word for yourself. Don't use your real name when you make art because it's boring and undescriptive, and probably several other people have your name. Even your last name, I mean, Google, whatever my government name is, it's, you know what it is. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of people with that same stupid, boring-ass name. There's nobody else called the Suck Lord, you know, so do something like that. And then, and then do everything else I did, and then maybe, maybe you'll get a taste. That, I think that's better <laughs> advice than you thought you were going to give. I, that's the piece of advice I always give, I just forgot it. <laughs> we are sold out with Suck Lord. <laughs> <laughs>